Sun Life Community Church came into being as the result of a compelling vision for a different kind of church, interested in what we call the Sun Life, experiencing and sharing the life of God's Son. Perhaps your heart is burdened these days. We invite you to allow the Word of God through the words of this message to bring rest to your soul and joy to your heart. And now let's, uh, let's us ask God and His Holy Spirit to help us do the same thing. Heavenly Father, we're about to look into Your Word. And it is ancient. We who think something ten years old is old stuff. It doesn't have to be paid attention to anymore. We understand the very words of God that are eternal have been given to us. And they never lose their power. They never lose their meaning. They never lose their their significance. Father, may these words we look at today just enter our lives, our minds, our hearts, our spirits. And may the Holy Spirit who inspired the writing of them May he just stir us to love them, to know them, to follow them, to rejoice even in them. For we ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, as we began the countdown toward our new church year, which which, uh, starts with a sign-up Sunday, which is what Sunday? February the 5th, the very first Sunday of February, is our sign-up Sunday. It's our annual commitment Sunday. For those of you who aren't aware, there's only a few of you, I'm sure, here who aren't, our church here practices what we call a one-year renewable membership. That means you get to say, I want to be a member of this church. Nobody interviews you. This is a personal decision you make. And once a year, we give people an opportunity to sign themselves into membership as they sign their commitment to Jesus Christ. Every now and then I thought, what would it be like to have a one-year renewable marriage? It would really be a pretty awesome thing. You know, you say, I do, and it may be 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years in the past. What if every single year on our anniversary, the laws of the state said, you're one year up? Well, we wouldn't try that. It might just come on the wrong day. But here at the church... Here at the church, we practice a one-year renewable membership, and what that does is it makes our membership in this family of faith forever new, forever a purposeful thing that we're doing. And every year, the first Sunday in February is our, you might say, our charter Sunday. And we are looking on that Sunday, beginning to look for this year's version of Sun Life Community Church. So that's coming up. All through the month of February, people can make that membership commitment, but on the first Sunday, we walk the aisle together and sign on our membership roll our own intention to follow Jesus Christ, to obey the Word of God, to be part of this body of believers for, one, for the coming year. Well, so last week, we were beginning to talk about the countdown toward that new church year and toward the discovery of our new Sun Life congregation. 
And as we did so, we began a new sermon series called People to Live With. People to Live With. Now, here was our series key scripture. I like that sign. Got the cross there and Linda worked that out for us. Here's the key scripture. You don't have it on your notes today, but I wanted to remind you of it, and then we'll get into today's message. It's 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says this. Paul was writing to a particular church. He said, you are the body of Christ. If we had been in existence, then Paul might have written this letter to us. Sun Life Community Church. You people are the body of Christ and each of you is a part of it. Here now, based upon that scripture a little bit, is our series key question that we're going to be answering every single week. Who are they? These people. These people who make up the church that I'm part of, of my church. And here was our answer we looked at last week, still using a little play on that letter R. They are our people. That's what kind of people they are. They are our people. Now, last week, we identified the first category of our people who make up our Sun Life Church family. And here's what we found. The people who make up Sun Life Community Church are reborn people people who've experienced that that new birth that Jesus said to Nicodemus was essential if we would know God, if we would enter into the kingdom of God, if our hearts would be made right with God. He said, you must be born again. We are reborn people, aren't we? Put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior. The people surrounding you almost exclusively, I would believe, are reborn people who are trusting in Christ for their salvation. Here now is the second category of our people. Today's key identification says this, the people who make up Sun Life Community Church are resilient people. Resilient people. That is, they handle the uncertainties and the perplexities and the unpredictabilities of life with unflappable faith. Now, we've been singing about that faith this morning. We've been singing about the way that it carries us along, the way it turns our attention toward God, and and we're going to talk about it here. It's a critical element of who we are because it turns us into an amazing group of people, resilient people. So here's the three things. Uncertainties, perplexities, unpredictabilities. These are the challenges of life everyone faces. Now in a moment we're going to talk about each one of them just a little more closely. But the truth is many people Even some reborn people are overcome by these things. They're set aside. They're made ineffective because of them, those uncertainties, those perplexities, those unpredictabilities of life. We can be set aside, made ineffective. And yet there are other people, while some are being just waylaid, by those three things, there are some people who march 
we could say resiliently right through them. Not knocked off stride. They keep right on keeping on, even though uncertainties and perplexities and unpredictabilities enter into their life. Now, I believe Sun Life Community Church people are like that. They are people who simply never give up. People who always bounce back. You sitting here this morning, I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, because I know, I can tell you that you are surrounded by resilient people. You are surrounded by people who hang in there, by people who have handled uncertainties and perplexities and any number of unpredictabilities in their life. And here they still are. Now, I know so because I've watched them do so over these past number of years. Some in this room, some of you right now are handling such things in your life. Those of you who have been here for a time have heard me say on more than one occasion that my passion as a pastor is to see each of you, as God gives me strength, and in a moment, with what I say, you'll know why I need strength to do this. I might have to live to be 200. My passion is to see each of you, as God gives me such strength, Come to the end of your life with your faith intact, unflappable and solid. That the the day you take your last breath on this earth, there'll be an Ebenezer planted that everyone will say, and they passed out of this life at the supreme high of their spiritual walk, their walk with Christ, led by his spirit. That's my goal. That goal has come into focus the older I've gotten. When I was 25, not so much. They didn't tell us in seminary anything about that. They didn't talk much in seminary, believe it or not, about shepherding anybody. They talked about building a church, finding the principles that lead to church growth, discovering the ways that we can make the gospel acceptable and desirable to people who don't really have it. Not much talk about being a pastor, even though we still use that term pastor. It's taken a few years, a lot of years. In fact, until Sun Life started, which now, fortunately for me, has been 28 years. So it's been a lot of time to get into that new mode of thinking that says, I'm responsible to pastor you. Not use you to make the church congregation bigger, but to pastor you, to seek to bring you every step of the journey until when you get to your last day on earth, your faith is stronger and more beautiful and more sound than at any other, any prior time in your life. And that is a privilege. And that is an incredible purpose for living. But I know some of you, hopefully, well, if it happens, some of you will watch me come to the end of my life, hopefully with my faith intact. 
But I tell you, for all those that I've been there when it's happened to them, and to know this is someone who's only one breath really away from heaven, and this one is someone who is confidently anticipating that moment, who loves the Lord, who knows the Lord, who, who believes everything we've been doing together as a church maybe for years, you've got to say, we're in the presence of something awesome, something glorious. This is a person who's gone through it all. Many, many things that we would know about, other things we never knew about, but they've come through and here they are as close to a finished product as the Holy Spirit could make them. It's a glorious thing to be a pastor over a group where you're, you're anticipating one by one that kind of growth in grace and growth in faith and until when no more growing is possible, the Lord just brings them home. I would say the Apostle Paul was a very early version of what I'd like to call a Sun Life Christian a truly resilient follower of Christ. Now, Paul wrote once, and, and in his writing, you could see he was inferring that all those who labored with him were just like him. And that's why in the verse I'm going to read, the pronoun is we. Paul was talking for himself and for his fellow laborers, and here's what he said in his letter, second letter to the Corinthians. His words form what I'm calling today's extraordinary, extraordinary biblical testimony. 2 Corinthians 6, verses 9 and 10. If you read the, the first eight verses of the chapter, you'll discover Paul is relating all of the incredible hardships he and those with him had gone through. We come to verse 9 and 10, and he's giving kind of a summary statement of all of those things. You could read it this afternoon and see all those things. You could read through the book of Acts, beginning with chapter 13, and see all those events take place where Paul, numerous times, suffered the very things that he categorizes here. But here's what he said now in 2 Corinthians 6, beginning with verse 9, talking about all those things that have happened in his life. He says, and yet we live on. We live on in spite of he was stoned and left for dead several times. And yet we live on. I would add, resiliently we live on. And here's what he says, beaten, but yet not killed. Beaten, but yet not killed. Sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Poor, yet making many rich. Having nothing, and yet possessing everything. What a statement. What a statement and testimony. Those are the words of one whose faith is intact, or as today's key identification expresses it, whose faith is unflappable. Nothing can knock it off. Nothing can cause a person to, to leave it. It's just solid, as Jesus would say, as though you were built upon a rock. Now those words, those words that Paul chose to summarize his life and the, the condition, those words describe one who knows how to and who has experience in handling 
the uncertainties and the perplexities and the unpredictabilities of life. So now, let's take a few moments and let's just talk about how faith enables us to handle such life situations. I trust that everything I say this morning, every scripture I share, will be most familiar to you. This is one of those messages where I hope to see head nodding all the way from one corner to the other and say, yes, that's true, yes, that's true, because I'm talking about who we are, right? So don't come up to me after the service, really, unless you need to, and to say, I don't know anything about what you're talking about. My life's a mess, and I don't know anything about what you're talking about. However, if you are in that situation, do come up to me afterwards, and we'll talk about it. So let's talk about these three things separately. Number one, think with me about the uncertainties of life. These are the things of life that cause us to ask, what should I or what should we do? We're just not sure or certain about a course of action we ought to take or how we ought to respond. And so we're uncertain uh, about just what we ought to do. We can be there many times in the course of our life. Faith says... God will show you and guide you. The psalmist David wrote, Psalm 119, 105, Your word is a lamp for my feet. It's a light for my path. God will guide you and show you. And I trust we have many testimonies in this room of, say, I was in a time where I didn't know where to go, how to turn, what I should do. There were options in front of me. There were situations that were calling for a response, and I just wasn't sure, and, and God showed me. His Holy Spirit spoke to me. I read something in the Word of God. I talked to a Christian friend, and it's like I heard God within me just guiding my steps. Maybe it was the Word of God all by itself that says, here's, here's a light shining down this path, and this is the way you walk, not that way. Faith says God will show you and guide you. Jesus promised his disciples that the Holy Spirit would guide you, guide them into all truth. John 16, 13. Now true, Jesus was meaning in part that the Spirit would guide some of them into writing additional revelation that became books in our scriptures that they would put down the things the Spirit led them into in written form so we can read it and know it. But I believe Jesus was also saying, the Spirit will guide you into an understanding of what actions they should take and what ministries they should be involved in. He will lead you. He will guide you into the truth of of how God would work in your life, how God would work through you, of what you should be involved in for the glory of Christ and for the sake of his church. He will guide you in those things. Now, here's an example. In Acts chapter 13, verse 2, we read these words. This is the church in Antioch talking about them. It says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, See, it doesn't say they were gathered together in a meeting debating on what they should do next. 
They were church. They were doing what churches do. They were worshiping. They were even applying a time of fasting with that worship. They were seeking God. They were wanting to draw near to God. They were focused upon God. And while they were doing that, it says the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And that work was the first missionary journey ever undertaken by a, and people sent out by a church. And so the church in Antioch became the first missionary sending church. And the entire course of history was changed. That God would raise up out of the church, as part of the way the gospel goes through all the world, he would raise up by the Holy Spirit's direction specific individuals who would be sent with the message to those who had never heard it. The Spirit. He will guide you into all truth. And he does. And so the focus... And the passion of reborn people to take the gospel to the entire world was made part of church life. Faith says also, trust him. God will show you and guide you. Trust him and wait on him. That's how we handle the uncertainties of life. How about the perplexities of life? Now, these are the things of life that cause us to question, what is going on? Why is this happening? How can this possibly be good? We're perplexed. Can't figure it out. Can't see what it really really is. How can this be happening? Why? Now, here's what faith says. Faith says God is working all things out according to his will. And his ways are always beyond our understanding. It's almost like the the scripture is saying, uh, (laughs) don't be surprised when you're perplexed. I've said lots of times over the last few years, we Christians need to get used to and comfortable with Living in the dark. God doesn't whisper down to us how the next five years of our life is going to be. God doesn't whisper to us when we read a headline that changes are coming and horrible things by our standards are beginning to happen in our world. And God doesn't say, well, now let me tell you why that is. Let me tell you how I'm orchestrating these events. Let me tell you how this is going to work out. We're just perplexed. It's not the thing we would want. It's not the thing we think we would enjoy at all. But here it is, and we, our mind is a muddle when it comes to thinking about it. Faith says, quit. Quit trying to figure it out. God is working all things out according to his will, and his ways are always beyond your comprehension, your understanding. The Lord said that through the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 55, 9 says this, As the heavens are higher than the earth, 
So are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. God can say that. Don't try to say that to some friend of yours. God can say that. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. The Apostle Paul writing to people who could have been right in the midst of some perplexing circumstances, he wrote this in the book of Romans, Romans 8.28. He was trying to counsel and to focus these Roman reborn people. He said, in all things, in all these things, whether you know what's going on or not, whether you can figure it out or not, whether you agree with it or not, whether you would do it yourself that way or not, in all these things, God, the Almighty, God works for the good of those who love him. God has your best interest at heart in the midst of every circumstance of life. He's committed to you. We read today the, the, the attribute of God for this day, day 15. My Abba Father is tirelessly vigilant. He sees and he knows why. He knows what. We see, as Paul says, like looking through a glass that's, that's pretty cloudy. But God knows perfectly. And he is at work in all these things for the good of those who love him, for the good of all those reborn people who've become part of his spiritual family. So faith would also say this, don't fret yourself. Don't raise your hand, but some of you are just natural fretters, aren't you? You kind of feel good fretting. Seems like you're doing something. You remind yourself how terrible this is, how awkward it is, how almost impossible to understand it is, and, and how you're, there's no way at all that you can respond to it in a way that anybody will think you're brilliant or smart or strong or adequate. And so you fret, because at least that's something. Some of you write down in journals your fretful words. Some of you get on the phone every day and share fretful words with other people. And it'd be nice if they came over and patted you on the back of the hand. They tried to give you some, wow, it won't be that bad. No, faith says, forget fretting. It's just a sign that you don't trust God. And you don't want to send down a sign. You wouldn't want to walk through the world with a sign on your back saying, I don't trust God. I sure do fret a lot. Worry. Faith says don't do that. Unflappable faith. See, the, the, the kind of faith that keeps you from just going to pieces. It says, now don't, don't even give your life a chance to go to pieces. Don't start fretting about the things that puzzle you. It's all under God's control. Now, don't misunderstand me. Seldom, seldom, if ever, are we given specific answers to the perplexities of life. 
Why this? Why now? What's next? Faith, if we're trusting God, faith makes specific answers irrelevant and unnecessary. And actually, once things play out, generally faith makes our answers seem kind of ridiculous. So don't even offer them. I think this is why that's happening, we say to one another. I think God is doing this. I think God is doing that. I got it all figured out. No. Faith hardly ever tells us the answers ahead of time. Faith, in fact, makes those answers, if we could find them, irrelevant and unnecessary. Faith finds comfort and assurance in the God who does know and who cares deeply. And we say, that's good enough for me. That's good enough for me. Now, thirdly and finally, think with me about what we're calling today in a slightly invented word, the unpredictabilities of life. These are the things of life that cause us to admit, I never saw that coming. It completely blindsided me. I can think of a couple quarterbacks in yesterday's games who have been introduced once again to the unpredictabilities of playing professional football and falling back to pass. It blindsided me. Never saw it coming. Faith says life is like that. God has told you. So don't be shocked or shaken. In the book of James that we've studied recently, we've recently read James chapter 4, verse 14. James says, why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. You don't even know. It doesn't matter if today was awesome. It doesn't matter if people patted you on the back today. It doesn't matter if you achieve some great triumph today. That doesn't guarantee anything about tomorrow. And it doesn't matter if today was horrible. That doesn't say, I've started down a path that'll be this way for the rest of my life. You don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. Nobody does. James says that. Now, I imagine since James was an entirely committed Jewish man, he was the, the earthly brother of Jesus Christ, raised in the faith. He was probably thinking, when he wrote those words, of Psalm 27.1. For in Psalm 27.1, David had written many years earlier, you do not know what a day may bring forth. That's just the truth of life. Now, that wasn't, or should I say, wasn't that an incredible observation that had arisen from David's own tumultuous life? When David could write and say, you don't even know what a day may bring forth. Think of who wrote that. This is the boy who, while he's just tending his father's sheep, the lowest rung on the ladder of all the seven boys in the family, he's just out there in the pasture taking care of the sheep while his brothers were doing significant stuff. And he says, a lion and a bear on different occasions came after my sheep. Unpredictable. 
We got the sheep out here. We found good pasture besides still water, nice green grass. And, and lo and behold, a, a lion came out of the woods and sought to devour some of them. A bear came out of the woods and sought to devour something. I didn't see that coming. I was sitting under the tree here playing my harp. And, you know, I had some of, the, some of the lines of the most beautiful song running through my mind. And all of a sudden, I'm disrupted by growls and squeals. This is David who says, you don't even know what, it, what will happen tomorrow. You don't know what a day may bring forth. From the lion and the bear in the pasture to the confrontation with Goliath, the giant, to the death decree of King Saul himself who put a bounty on David's head. David never knew what would come next. David knew and believed that he had been chosen by God But David was frequently dealing with the unpredictabilities of life. And of course, there's this exclamation made by the Apostle Paul. If we're going to put this into a a framework, life is unpredictable. We don't know what's going to happen. So what do we do when some of it that we don't anticipate is happening? Paul says, oh... Romans eleven thirty three. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. You see, faith says this. Though this circumstance blindsided you, it did not catch your heavenly father or your earthly companion by surprise. You can be sure that they have prepared you to handle it. That's what faith says. And David's testimony would be, my heavenly father had. I defeated the lion. I defeated the bear. I defeated the giant Goliath. I escaped from the hands of Saul and ultimately was made king of Israel by the good grace of God. God knew all these things that are unpredictable by me, they are on the schedule that he foresees. And his Holy Spirit, for every one of us, there are some unpredictable things that might hit us this week. Maybe even today. Certainly in the rest of our lives. But the Spirit of God, who inhabits all reborn people and guides them and prepares them and shapes them and readies them, He readies us for any such situation. Faith says trust him. Trust him and believe that uh, you will walk through those things and you will remain resilient. You will bounce back from difficulties though you might be, as Paul said, beaten. You're not yet killed. You might be sorrowful. Good heavens, sorrow comes in this world, but you're still rejoicing in the things of God. You still have joy in your heart because the Spirit of God has placed it there. You might be poor, and yet through your faithful life following Jesus Christ, you are making those around you rich as their lives are blessed because you're in it. And though you might have nothing by this world's standards, 
by God's standards, by the time you come to the end of your life, you will have everything. Everything he ever desired for you to have. Eternal life in the presence of God. Joy and goodness forever and ever. Faith says, believe that. Believe that. No matter what comes. Are they uncertainties? Decisions have to be made, but you're not sure what you ought to be doing. God will guide you. Ask him to. Trust him to. Perplexities, things that you just can't figure out. What is going on and what does this mean? And what's the understanding that will help me just uh, put it all together? You just trust God. He's working in all those things. He's preparing you for them. And anything that, that unpredictable moment when it comes. Faith says, trust him. Trust him. That's what the life of, of faith is. That's what the Christian life is. And as we trust him, we begin to show forth a resilient nature. You know, being resilient is not being perfect. Do you realize you can't be resilient unless you are imperfect? If you were perfect, you'd never have to bounce back from anything. You'd have, not have to trust God to get you through. Resilient people are not perfect ones, but they are the ones who have such faith in God that nothing, including their own mess-ups, can drive them away from the Lord Jesus. Resilient. That's what you are. I know so many stories. I've seen it. I could give your testimonies for you and others of you that I don't know quite so well. I believe the very fact that you're here says that, that you've, you've had to overcome some stuff. You're here. You've been living life. Life has been coming your way, but you, you're a reborn person. You've given your life to Jesus Christ, and his Holy Spirit has built into you a never-quit attitude because you're trusting in the eternal God. And so our final thought says this. Unflappable faith. Define it as the confidence that causes us to feel entirely secure in the wisdom and the provision of God. That's the kind of thing that produces resilience in people. The confidence that causes us to feel entirely secure in the wisdom and the provision of God. And so we say Sun Life Community Church is composed of resilient people, people to live with and to delight in. Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, it's, it's such a marvelous thing to, to reflect upon the fellowship that believers can have together in the midst of a world that is all these things. This world can confound us, confuse us, perplex us, surprise us, but Father, I thank you that it does none of those things to you. You are the creator of all. You know all things. 
You have committed yourself to those of us who have committed ourselves to you. And you guard us, you keep us. Our faith is in you. And Father, we pray that that faith will just grow deeper and deeper and deeper through the word of God, through the work of the spirit of God, through the fellowship of the people of God around us until we, we almost reach, reach the fullness of it. And that we certainly go through life with our faith intact, not cracking, not failing, but wonderfully intact and strong. That we might be resilient. No matter what comes our way, we just keep trusting. And we pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope this message has inspired you to live the sun life together with us. If you are near Apple Valley, California this weekend, we invite you to join us in person Sunday morning or through our live broadcast. All the details are on our website at sunlifecommunitychurch.com.